silence in us any voice but your own, and be with us now as we turn our attention, our minds, and our hearts to you in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Julian of Norwich lay dying in bed in her early 30s when she was graced with a set of divine showings or mystical encounters with God. If there's one word to describe Julian's visions, is that she discovered the Eternal One to be kind. Remember Brother Curtis's reflections from a week or so, a couple weeks ago, on this word, kind? It's related to our word kin or kindred. God has chosen in Jesus to become our kin in the kinship of incarnation. God is supremely kind. Julian lived at the height of medieval Christianity. She was in the 14th century. That was very concerned with the last judgment. This last scene in Matthew's Gospel, when the scroll of history is rolled up and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The medieval Christians saw God's judgment a little like the sorting hat in Harry Potter. Except for them, there were only two, not four houses. House sheep and house goat. We will put on that hat and will read our hearts and determine which house we best belong in. Whatever else we might want to say about this once and for all sorting process, kind isn't the word that leaps to mind. So I, I searched Julian's writings this past week just to see if she ever pinned anything on this challenging gospel passage. I couldn't find anything. I don't think there's any extant writing on. But I want to give you an interpretation of this story in light of Julian's vision of God's kinship with us, God's kindness towards us. Perhaps this isn't just a scene of last judgment whose relevance, is, whose relevance to us is only at some unknown future date. Perhaps it's something of a first judgment, too, which means it's a word for us here and now on this chilly November morning. In a sense, we could say that you and I have already been judged by God. We've already been judged to be lost sheep. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, says Isaiah. We've been judged to be lost, helpless, and hopeless, on our own, prone to wander into danger and trouble. We've already been judged by God. And we've been judged that we need a Savior. We need to be saved. We need to be found and rescued. We need to be carried or led into a safe shelter. And we need this now, today, each one of us. We've already been judged by God, and the nature of that judgment is the judgment of love, the judgment of kindness. In God's judgment, we need saving, and we are worth saving, and we cannot do it ourselves. In the kind judgment of God, we desperately need to be rescued. Listen again to this gospel passage. It's certainly about our need to welcome the hungry, the naked, and the poor. It's certainly about our need to see and serve Jesus and our neighbors. 
especially those who come least and last on the world's list of importance. But, but we can only see and serve Jesus and our poor neighbors if we recognize and experience that this is how Jesus sees us, sees you and me. We love, says John's first epistle, we love because God first loved us. When we have been fed and our thirst has been quenched, when we've been clothed and visited and helped, when we've been saved, when we've known ourselves to be welcomed and loved, then we will be able to offer others the gifts that we ourselves have received to comfort them with the comfort with which we've been comforted. We will be able to love with the love that has been given to us. Listen again to this gospel story. God's judgment is for you. You need a savior. This is your story. This is my story. Jesus says, I was hungry. Hungry where? In you. When? Right now. For what? I suspect that in some way, you were starved just for the staples of life. Most of us are. Maybe you're hungry for hope because you can't see your way out of the situation you're in right now. Or maybe you're hungry to trust because you've been disappointed and hurt so many times. Maybe you hunger for meaning because days just keep rolling by. Weeks turn into weeks. And you have this sense that life has to be more than just eating and drinking and being merry. Jesus says, I was hungry, and that hunger is in you, it's in me. He's identified himself with the hunger that is in us. He's made himself one with those who hunger, including you. I was there. Did you notice me? And Jesus says, I was thirsty. Have you ever in your life so thirsted for what is right? in a world torn by violence and strife and political divisions, in a world polluted by hatred and fear and prejudice, marred by moral compromising and sin, have you ever thirsted for righteousness? Jesus says, I was thirsty, and that thirst is in you. He's identified himself with the thirst that's in us. I was there. Did you notice me? Jesus says, I was a stranger. And haven't you known what it, something of what it means to be stranger? We live in the wealthiest nation in the world and have every benefit life can offer. Perhaps you're surrounded by family and friends and neighbors, and yet sometimes you feel very alone. So very much like a stranger in the world. So little known or understood or appreciated. So very much on the outside. Perhaps we could say about this COVID moment, this moment of quarantine, that we've all been rendered strangers to the normal, to the everyday. Jesus has identified himself with the stranger, which you know is also you. Jesus says, I was naked. Perhaps you know how it is to feel exposed and vulnerable, to feel naked and ashamed, Maybe you know what it is to be covered with the garments of degrees and titles and achievements and honors, and still to know that really you're naked. 
Everything you thought would cover and protect you and keep you warm turns out to be as nothing, like the emperor's new clothes. You've recognized your nakedness and vulnerability in the world and before God. Jesus knows this about you too. He's identified himself with this nakedness. I was there. Did you notice me? And Jesus says, for I was in prison. Perhaps you were in prison somewhere too. Not just in physical lockdown, but something deeper, a difficult relationship with a son or daughter, a troubled marriage. Maybe you've been captured by alcohol or drugs or some other sort of addiction, or you're under the power of some besetting sin and you've struggled but haven't made it, and you feel like you're in prison and you can't escape. Or maybe you're living with an enormous mistake you made way back, which no one, even you yourself, can forget, and which few will forgive, and you're a prisoner of your past, and you cannot get free to begin again. Jesus says, I was in prison. Because he has identified himself with those who are in bondage and cannot get free, he knows and understands. I was there. Did you notice me? This gospel passage is undeniably a word of judgment. But can you hear it? Can we hear it not only as a judgment on what we have failed to do for others and what others have failed to do for us, but as a judgment that recognizes what we cannot do for ourselves? That is God's judgment too, the judgment of love, the judgment of kindness, says you and I are like lost sheep in need of a savior. We're like lost sheep who've wandered into the dark and dangerous places and we need to be rescued and lifted out of those places and restored to the safety of the shepherd's care. We need a savior. And Jesus says, I've come to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives and let the oppressed go free. I am the savior you're looking for. We, as the rather affluent and rather healthy, like to think we have everything we need. And thus, we organize coat drives for the other people who are naked. We visit those others in prison. We offer meals to those others who are hungry. And we weep for those others who are refugees, strangers in a foreign land. Now hear me, none of this is bad. Much to the contrary. So long as we don't do this to hide from our own need, our own vulnerability, our own inner poverty. It's as if we must hear Jesus say, yes, I've come for them, but I've come for you too. And to see the other's needs, you'll need to notice me present in your own need first. The only way we can touch Jesus in others is to have touched him in the broken places in our own lives, the very places he has come to seek us and save us and offer us salvation. We must recognize that with the poor and the imprisoned and the hungry, we share a fundamental kinship. Jesus is the shepherd king, the one who tends and cares for the frailest sheep of his flock. He is the king who does justice to the weak and the poor, who defends and protects them, who always acts with mercy, compassion, and tenderness. Jesus is of our kin. He's kind. He is the king who feeds the hungry, who satisfies the thirsty, who clothes the naked, who welcomes the stranger, who visits the prisoner. And when he comes in his glory, he will introduce into his kingdom 
those who've acted as he did, those who have received his action. Hear what God says to us through the prophet Ezekiel. I myself will be the shepherd of the sheep, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. I will feed them with justice, says the Lord. So friends, in the isolation of this moment, while we are in prison at home, strangers in so many ways to our own lives and hungry and thirsty for meaning and looking for the clothing of belonging, even here, even now, the mystery is that God is present. Not in the abstract, but in our need. Not in remote power, but in present saving. Not in judgment, but in kindness. I am here. Can you? Will you notice me? <laughs>